It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Episode of Ramble with Russell, episode 637 of my podcast, The Home Intelligent Rambling, right here on the Talk Show Network. I'm one of the longest running single hosted pop culture podcasts in Ontario. I'm your host, Russell Hale. How are you? Welcome to the show. And you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, Russ, you just like did a show last week and you're doing a show again this week. Yeah, well, it's, it's time of year, as I always say, it's like Christmas for me in a way. I have so much to talk about. And then maybe times, as I said in the past, I do uh, shows two weeks in a row. Doesn't mean it's going to be a regular pattern. I keep telling you all this, and I, and I mean it. But but I still want to get this stuff out in a timely manner for all the nice people that send me stuff. <laughs> so there you go. And to keep it relevant the time that gets published. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about on today's program. Now, before I get to tell you what's on this coming, or the rest of the show, I do want to start off with one thing. Uh, and this, because there's like a bonus extra review. Of course, this month is Halloween, and it's one of my favorite months of the year. It's <laughs> everything spooky comes out, and something that came out very recently. And, and if you're a, if you know me and you're a fan of this show, you know me a little bit. You know I love the Muppets, man. I you know, I haven't liked everything that's been done since the House of Mouse bought the Muppets, <laughs> but you know at least they're still making new stuff. And then I heard recently that uh, they were going to do a Muppets Haunted Mansion. And I thought, man, that's a cool idea. So I had a chance to check this out. And let me go on record, too. Muppets is always one of my favorite things. It's weird, it's wonky, and as a kid, I always kind of liked it. And the Haunted Mansion, and I will stand on record about this, is one of those rides in Disney I really want to go on. It's it's still there, Knockwood. I'm this recording, and and if I could ever get my butt down to Orlando, uh, the Haunted Mansion is right up there. That is the number one attraction I want to visit if I ever get and get there. <laughs> and I really hope it bloody stays there, but you know until I can get there because a lot of the older rides like that that Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, you know, got replaced by Nemo. So I really wanted to check that out too. So I'm hoping that it, it will stay. So that that combination of one of the one of the one big attractions I've always wanted to experience in person, and and Muppets is like, dang, that's a good idea. And I haven't watched a good Muppet special in like forever. So it's nice to see them doing something new. The story uh, revolves around good old Gonzo the Great and Pepe the the the, the prawn. They get invited, well, Gonzo does, and Pepe is kind of your tang-along. <laughs> they get invited to the, the Haunted Mansion. Yes, the, the Disney's Haunted Mansion. That particular one, 
because a magician that uh, that Gonzo respects has invited him for like a challenge night. So so Pepe's tagging along. She thinks it'd be all these celebrities and stuff, and the rest of the Muppets are kind of having their own kind of Halloween party separate. Now you're thinking at the start of this, oh no, is that going to mean that it's just going to be Gonzo and Pepe for the whole dang special? No, <laughs> thankfully. Not just their, you know, fun characters. No, it's not just those two for the whole thing. So, so what happens is the, you know, the the tease the the rest of map is having a party, but the 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 denizens of said haunted mansion are made up by the rest of the Muppets. And not at one point does Pepe or Gonzo go, gee, these Muppets ghosts seem kind of familiar. So that's that's what you have in this. And much like any kind of Muppet special. And this goes right back to the Christmas special and all the ones, you know, light the lamp, not the rat. That's my mom used to always remembers. <laughs> There's always a bit of music, uh, songs in this. And this one, I got to say, I don't know who they got to write the songs for this, but they're good. They're very Muppety and they're very catchy <laughs> to this. And, and that's, that's what I like right off the bat. It's just that they, they, they feel like Muppet songs. And it's probably the most Muppety thing I've seen in a while. Now, you know, Ramblers, uh, when I talked about the Space Jam movies last episode, and I said, you know, I had trouble watching the old Space Jam from the 1990s because the voices for, like, Bugs and the rest of the tunes, to me, were just kind of off. And, and, and I got to say, I was a little worried about this because I don't think Frank Oz was involved in this at all that I could notice. And Jim Henson is long gone. So I, I, I was worried that, okay, you know, they'll be them, but they won't sound like them. And for the most part in this special, especially Gonzo and Pepe, were pretty on par. And Kermit, although part of him, he was talking through a costume. I mean, it's it's there. It's not Henson, but it's close as it can. The rest of them, Piggy and, and the rest of the gang, especially um, Doctor Teeth, I think they're they're fairly well on. I don't know, you know, these different uh, actors and voice people that are doing the voices, pretty good. I mean, Statler and Waldorf, sort of sounds like them, but but it's it's they're the ones, the only ones that are really like it's close, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> But they are in this. And the humor is there. Like, the Muppet humor is there. And a lot of this special, a lot of, you know, callbacks to old Muppet stuff, man. A lot of characters, a lot of a lot of the actual characters themselves, and a lot of stuff in the background. If you're a fan of the old school Muppet show, man, especially even the ghosts, it, it's very, very that. And I, I do appreciate that a lot. Of course, you can't have a Muppet special. And this goes back to you know, Treasure Island and, and, and the Christmas special. There's always a human element to it, right? Because that's just part of it. The only really actor I recognize in this, and maybe I'm just not up with my human actors, is Will Arnett. Will Arnett plays the host. And he really plays it for laughs. I almost didn't recognize him because of the white hair and stuff. But he does a good job. But I also like the performance by um by the 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 um the actress who plays um the the bride if you will in this special uh that she just plays it like over the top and and it's the kind of a role that that like at uh, Taraj J P Henson she really kind of <laughs> and it works it works i like the songs in it 
it had that kind of kind of scary but not too scary and i liked the, when we found out what gonzo's greatest fear was fear is and if you and if you and it's it's very true to the character of gonzo so i i like that and it is a nice special it wrapped up pretty quickly <laughs> you know it's only like 46 minutes or so so it could easily air network television with commercials easily if they wanted to and and there's a nice little line at the end that i thought was <laughs> very appropriate i mean most like muppet feeling special i've seen in a while and 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 <laughs> it had the same kind of humor to it although there is one running gag they just kind of nail that to death with the dun, dun, dun stuff but that, that's me Overall, I you know, I I thought it was fun. I mean, even the the guy did Fozzie. It was pretty, you know, a bang on Fozzie <laughs> for the most part. Some of the members of um of the Dr. Teeth band, I think Janice and the other dude, it was like close but not quite there. <laughs> sort of. It's like, "Oh, you're so close, but you're just not there." And, and as always, you know, the other, the, the, so you had some kind of main actors and the, the celebrity actors, though, some of them I didn't recognize, some of them I didn't. There's some there that it's like, that looks like that person. And then it's like, you see the credits and you go, holy mother of pearl, that was that person in this. I don't want to really say it because I don't want to spoil it, but it's like, dang. I mean, most watch it twice and go, wait a minute. <laughs> That was that person. And there's a very final performance of an actor in this one who died earlier this year. And that was kind of neat. That I think that was his last performance ever. And to think it was a little bit of a, a, like a cameo in a Muppet thing. And that's, that's an odd way to end his career. Now, it's funny, because I look at his IMDb, and, and the actor, I guess has a few more productions that I, he must have recorded before his death that that are he's still listed in. I don't know if that's true, but it's kind of funny. This actor died like what, two years ago, and he may have productions, he may be in stuff that's going to be well after he passed away. So, man, he must have been working like a hound uh, near the end of it. So that that's kind of cool. Uh, that that's in there. And, and you may go like, wait a minute, is that? And then you see the credits and you go, holy moly, that was him. <laughs> so uh, I, that was kind of neat. Uh, the, the makeup is, the, the effects are really good. It, it, it's done in a way that that it's, it's very Muppety, but it's not like bad. So if, if you're a fan of Muppets like me, and you'd be saying, you know, it's been a heck of a long time since I've seen a really good Muppet special. Bangle, this is it. The, the shout-outs to some of the old stuff is really cool. <laughs> Whoever made this was definitely a fan of the old show because it really comes across. Yeah, and 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 for the most part, it it's it's you know it's pretty safe for kids. There are some spookyish elements to it, but you know, nothing nightmare. It, do seem terribly and and it has a fun little ending to it as well so and i saw <laughs> after credits sequence so yeah it, it, it's a nice entry and um you know disney if you're going to keep doing muppets do more of this 
kind of stuff. Keeps this kind of feel to it. And maybe I'll check it out more. So that is my take of the brand new Muppets Haunted Mansion at a screen near you. So coming up on the rest of the show, that's my that's my little like bonus review because I, I just watched it and I, you know it's Halloween, got thrown something spooky. <laughs> I thought I'd talk about it. So speaking of going back in time, we're gonna rewind the clock again and go back to 2001 for the Blu-ray review of Hardball, starring Keanu Kanunu, however you want to say his name, Reeves, and Diane Lane in this release front courtesy of Paramount Entertainment, where it's. It's it's bad new bears in the hood. Worn out when I review it. So then it's back to the streets of Central City for another chapter in my CW superhero catch-up from last season. This time around, it is The Flash, the complete seventh season on the Blu-ray, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, where the Scarlet Speedster takes on the uh, end thing of the Mirror Master and has to battle the very forces of nature, so to speak. Then we go from there to a brand new series on the Paramount Network, and this is the first time we can check it out. I heard a lot about it, and not too long ago, the nice folks at Paramount Home Entertainment sent me Yellowstone, the first three seasons, and a really cool box set. So I thought I would do the show justice and do one season at a time, and then I will talk about the box set as a whole. So we're going to start things off with Yellowstone season one on DVD, courtesy of great folks, Paramount home entertainment, where it's, it's the West in a way we've never seen before. And then speaking of wildness, wrap things up with, I guess, I guess my, you know, big horror review title of this show. And it is the fifth. And I don't think final chapter in the purge universe. It is the forever purge courtesy of Universal Home Entertainment, on 4K Blu-ray, where one night is just not enough. That's all coming up on this episode of Ramble with Russell. So I'm going to take a quick little musical interlude and write up with the first review on the show. My retro Blu-ray movie review for this episode is Hardball courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment, starring Keanu Reeves and Diane Lane. Now, this is a movie going back quite a few years that, you know, I, I watched a lot of Keanu movies, but I don't remember this one per se, but that's kind of cool. And, and it basically, Keanu stars as this guy who's, you know, he has a really chronic betting problem, right? He's He owes his bookie a lot of money, and he is just in rough shape. So, to to pay off his debts, and this guy has a severe betting problem, in this movie, he's like, you know, maybe you need to see like betting anonymous. So to pay off some debts, he he gets roped into coaching this minor, very minor league kind of baseball team. And because he's got a guy, you know, that's like scalp with tickets and gambling and drinking. So he coaches a little league team, uh, which is part of the projects in Chicago as as like condition to getting a loan from a friend to pay off the debts of the O's. So this guy, I don't know, I think he probably knew a little bit about baseball one time, and he gets kind of roped into teaching these kids. Now, when I said at the beginning of the show, this is kind of like Bad News Bears in Ghetto. Uh, when Keanu uh, comes across these kids, they're all like, you know, kind of project, kind of, you know, inner city kids who, have, who just want to play baseball. But, you know, 
they're kind of a ragtag bunch of team. You know, these kids are kind of crass and they're kind of, they got lots of attitude and that kind of thing. So it's very much, it's very much the version of, it's very similar to Bad News Bears. And it's like a coach that just really doesn't want to be there and kids that are not exactly easy to work with. That's kind of the premise of this show. And then you, you throw in Diane Lane, who is the teacher of a lot of these inner skinny kind of school kids. And, and, and he, she becomes kind of a love interest, if you will, for the Keanu character who and he plays doo -doo 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 -doo, Connor O'Neill. So, so in, and it's, it's one of these typical stories and I haven't watched bad news bears in a long time, but it, it's, it's one of those stories where, where a guy, you know, Oh, I, okay. I'll have to coach them. And then, as it goes along, it, he he generally likes them. Although, you know, he's kind of like, you know, just, just want to admit that he falls for these kids. And they're a cute bunch of boys. And a lot of these boys that acted in this never had acted before. <laughs> so it, it gave that kind of realism to it. I mean, there's this one little kid who's like too young to play. And and he pretty much brings him in, in the character kind of, Brings him on. He's kind of like the mascot of the team. And every every kid has their own little quirks. Like there's a pitcher. And he can only pitch if he's listening to music on headphones. Kind of thing. So it, it's that kind of element to it. And and the music is very... Very of... of it's like it's very kind of culturally that kind of mix. And and it's, it's funny to look back and see a very younger Keanu in this. It's just kind of old a lot. And it's a cute story uh, when it comes to see, to see this guy, you know, coach these inner city kids. Now, I'll warn you, th th there is a moment later, late in the film, where it gets a little tear jerky. There's a moment like, oh, you buckers, why'd you have to do that? <laughs> so there's a bit of sorrow in this. You know, these are inner city kids and and their life. Like, what, one point two, where, where, I think it's half of three movie, and one of the kids, you know, asks asks the, the coach to give him a ride home, and the coach is like, I don't want to give you a ride home because I'm starting to like it too much. And, and you're like, like a, you know, these kids live in the inner city. It's not exactly safe for a young boy to be, like, walking home by himself. And and he's like, why would you let him do that? I mean, you know, I know you're not trying to get close to these kids, but maybe, you know, it's not the best neighborhood for a kid to be walking around by themselves. <laughs> and that... That decision is just like, dude. Now, for this release, it's not just a movie, which is kind of cool. You get commentary by the director and the writer, so that's nice. I always, the, the smaller movies always give you commentary. You get the making of Hardball, so it gets some deleted scenes, a music video. Uh, you get a Hardball by Little Bow Wow, Little Wayne, and Little Zane, and Sammy. Theatr and a theatrical trailer and interstitials, which they don't put interstitials too often in in video releases anymore. It used to be a big thing, which is just like little, I don't know, actors, their characters talking about themselves in the movie. The featurettes are nice. It really shows that Keanu got along with the kids and it's a nice little kind of rounding kind of filler for it. And, and really, it was nice to watch them. And, and see how these kids kind of tried to learn from Keanu. <laughs> and because and, they always say the actors, right? Hardest thing to deal with is kids or animals. So there you go. 
overall, it, it's a fun little baseball story. It, it, it has some heart to it. it it's the, the music in it. I'm going to tell you, I, <laughs> I try to like a lot of music, but the soundtrack for this was just, it, it was not speaking to me. I went, I went the wrong target audience for the music for this movie. It's just too, it's not the kind of music I like to listen to. So that the, the score itself is good, but, but the actual songs chosen for it, uh, I just couldn't get into them. Really? You know, it's, <laughs> it's just me. Now this is uh, directed by Brian Robbins. You think to yourself, Brian Robbins, where do I know this director? What what has he done that, you know, kind of speaks to me? And yeah, he, he's, he's fairly accomplished. I mean, he the uh, this movie was one of his earliest movies, but he did stuff like um, Varsity Blues, Ready to Rumble, you know, so a lot of sports stuff. The, Sh the Shaggy Dog remake in 2007. And the funny thing is, though, the last thing he directed was in 2012. So he had this like really big career at one point, and then it kind of went. So from like he was busy, 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 busy from 1995 as a director, and then he's kind of bonk fizzled out as a director. Now as a producer, he's still going. Uh, but, but as a director, he kind of like said, that's enough for me. <laughs> so go figure that one. Eh? It's funny how people's careers go overall, a fun little baseball movie. I, I, I said, I will warn you this parts will, 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 will pull on your heartstrings. People So bring tissues. If you cry easy in this movie, but nice, nice addition. This will go, you know, somewhere in my like sports section, right around there with field of dreams and that kind of stuff. So that is my take of the hard bar or l'enjou in French on Blu-ray, courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment.
My TV show on Blu-ray Plus episode is The Flash, the complete seventh season, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this Blu-ray release to review for the show. The opinions I express are my own. Now, this is, of course, the seventh season of The Flash show. And, of course, you know, from last season, last season was kind of cut short because of the global pandemic. So the first three episodes of this season were meant to be the finale of last season, where Flash was dealing with, with Ava in the Mirrorverse. And it's very kind of telling in this season how that was the case, because you watch the first three episodes and you're going like, yeah, this would totally have fit with the last season. And the way that last, that third one, this one ended, would have been a great way to cap off last season. So this one, season seven, is a weird mixed bag because you have three episodes which carried over from season six. And then again, because of the pandemic, the this season was cut short as well. So in total, you are getting 18 episodes in this set. And typically, a season of The Flash is usually 21 to 22, right? So three of these episodes are left over from last season. So really, this season, you're only getting 15 episodes. So they cut it that short. And, and it kind of shows in a way because... The start of that first, you know, that fourth episode, really, the um, Central City Strong, really feels like a season opener in this. And then as it goes on, you're thinking like, okay, so that's how it goes. And, and the way they ended episode 18, it wasn't the typical, oh, here's going to be a big tease for next season. It's like, Wow, what a generic kind of, okay, we've ended it this way, so that come season eight, we can start it in any way we want, because we have no way I an idea of how to start season eight, because we have to close things early because of the pandemic. That, that's the way it's written. It's like, you know, we don't really have that figured out yet, but we want to leave on a note where we can just kind of pick up and, and start fresh. <laughs> sort of thing and that that's funny that's really funny that that happened now besides the 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 eva mirror my you know mirror mirror dude mirror stuff mirror verse stuff left over from the third season one of the things that happened in between season six and seven is the actor uh hartley sawyer who plays who played ralph dibney for 50 episodes and I don't know if I talked about this. He said some things on the internet, which he really shouldn't have. He kind of opened his mouth in a bad way. And you can look this. And he said stuff that it got him fired from the show. Now you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute. Elongated Man was a big part of the character. You know, it was a big part of the last few seasons of the show. Are they going to kill him off? And I got to the way they dealt with him in season seven is genius. They brought back the character, but, 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 they did it in a way that they can totally, and I mean this, Ramblers, totally recast Elongated Man, probably for, for season eight, if they want to bring him back. Because, sorry to say, people, 
the character shows up, but they sideline him good. They can probably get a brand new actor for season eight. And, and because of what happened in seven, they can completely explain why Ralph Dibney has a new face. Boom. They just wrote him right out. And that is so weird. I don't think I've ever seen that before. So that's that. So sorry. I mean, I liked him. I liked Hartley Sawyer as Ralph. I thought he really embodied the, the comic book character well. But yeah, he is clearly not coming back. The character elongated man may come back. And I hope he does. I thought the stretchy powers were kind of cool. <laughs> but that actor, gone. From the show, and speaking of gone, the there there are quite a few actors. Um, there's there are two characters this season that make their departure from the show, which were very long term characters. I I like the way they did it. Of uh, the, the, the they both wrote them off in a way that that they can come back, right? It's not like they didn't pull some other things where you know some people would get written off a show and it's like. Yeah, they're never coming back. <laughs> but they did it in a nice way. And at one point, one of them, he has a bit of dialogue. And he's talking about it before his last episode, about his, his presence on the team and how he had a vision and he sees like the rest of the team moving on and team changing, yet he stays the same. And they, that was a fear of his. I'm thinking, wow, you, you hear this speech and you go, that's kind of, I think, why the actor wanted to leave the show. He's kind of, I don't know if they wrote it that way or it just came out that way, but he's kind of channeling like, what you're saying is kind of like, it almost explains why you want to leave the show, in a way. And the other one, I, I think it was a good exit, uh, but but and it, was, it was fitting, uh, I, I think, for the character. So that's, those two are... I mean, they still might come back in guest appearances, but for the most part, they are... So Team Flash loses two big members uh, when it comes to that. Chester P. P. Runk, though, he really makes his way in to the team. I, I liked him as a character. Uh, and the, he clearly is going to serve a certain role going forward, although he kind of feels a little forced. Uh, in that it's like, well, this character's going, so we gotta... Blah, blah, blah. Also, uh, this season seven, a very interesting development becomes uh, Caitlin Snow and Killer Frost. And I gotta give props to Danielle, uh, uh, Danielle uh, Panabaker. She does a great job in this season playing two roles. And what happens between these two, even more so. Uh, I think it's a good development. And, and I'm curious to see where it goes, but... Yeah, her acting was really well in that. Now, I mentioned last season, and I still have a bit of an issue, and a lot of people do, with Candace Patton in Iris. Because it, it became to be the Flash show was all about Iris. And they kept really like... I mean, she had some dialogue last in season six. It was like, oh, that's harsh. So, so Iris, you know, is in this season... But, and, and this is very curious. Um, she's in a good part of the early season, but near the end, they they do it in a way that they write her character out. They don't write her out permanently. This is not just spoiler. But they write her out in a way that really makes you wonder if, if 
um, if if Candace really wants to be on the show, you know, <laughs> and and that the writer that I think she was having some issues, and I've read up on this, and it, it's almost like the actress said, you know, I'd like some time off of the show. If you could just write it, you know, write it story wise that 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 I'm not around a lot. And, and that, you know, I'm, I'm talked to, but I'm off camera. Just write me off for a little few episodes here. That'd be great. And they, they, they do that. And it's like, ha, it's, it's like, okay. All right. And, and it's odd because you don't often see that. It's the old trick of, oh, oh, the actor's talking to a character, but they're off camera, but it's implied they're there. It's like, you can see in the progression of these episodes, it's like clearly there, there were some issues. And then and then they said, Oh, okay, okay, Candace, you're not you want some time away, but you're like one of the main leads in the show. So we gotta think of a way of doing it, but not being too drastic, because then people would be mad. So so we'll do this, we'll make you a little excuse here, and we'll sideline you for a little bit. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen in season eight. There is rumor, rumor that as much as CW wants Grant Gustinson and her to continue on the show, they are thinking they want to make an exit. So I don't know. I don't know if he's going to pull an arrow and, and be done. I don't know if the show could continue without him in it. They, they hint maybe they could, but I don't know. Uh, when it comes to that, it, it's, it's, it's funny. I don't know if it would survive really, uh, for, for villains this time around, we do have Eva, uh, Godspeed comes back and we get a little more depth into that character this time around. There's also some other speedsters that make a reappearance and one that I kind of got spoiled with cause I saw stuff on YouTube but the the that but if you haven't you know if you've been like I purposely ignore YouTube because I don't want to be spoiled, and you see this character you're like, well that's cool. Uh, the uniform is spot on. How he looks exactly is not that version of the kid. Like behavior wise, yeah, he's that character. Does he have the look exactly from the comics that I wanted? Like costume suit wise, wow, dead on. But other than that. And let's just say it's the same issue I have with Wally West on the show. All right. Uh, and don't call me an historophobe. I just like things to be comic accurate. Okay. Uh, so, so there's that, uh, when it comes to it, uh, <laughs> on the show and, and it's, it's very, it almost feels like a rushed epi season. It almost feels like, okay, we got all these little mini story arcs. We're going to try to get them done. Get it all done, you know, because of blah da 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 pandemic. So a lot of that in it. Also, we get we get a return of of Nora slash Speed Force character. And one thing I've I've noticed with TV shows, especially <laughs> this one, I love it when characters who are good, then 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 when they turn evil, they they suddenly have paler makeup on and and they're the darker eye shadows and paler skin and they look like 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 just evil 
And then as soon as they become good again, it's like all that, all that goes away. <laughs> so she's a part of the show uh, for a good chunk of this season. And, and it's, and it's, you know, it, it is what it is. I, as I said, I felt it was a very really rushed kind of season. I, I, it would have felt more of a fuller season if, if we didn't have the padding from last season. And then we had more ones, episodes for this current season. I felt it was all kind of rushed. Cause I said, if you take away the three episodes that were carried over, because uh, at the time of last season six, they, they had just about wrapped, I believe. Yeah. They'd finished filming, um, episode 20 of last season. So they pretty much had it done, you know, and it wasn't for the pandemic. They would have finished with a 20 ish, 21, 20 episode season, but, but they didn't. So you take that away. That's only really 15 this year. And and that's even less than last year. And it doesn't feel like a full season. I don't feel any of the story arcs were, were properly, it all felt rushed. And I don't know what's going to happen for season eight. I know it is starting up, I believe, in the fall this year, not in January. I am not completely sure if there is a full run ordered, if they're going to go back to 20, 20 or 21 or 22, or if it's going to be another 18. But I hope that since we're starting fresh, there'll be, it'd be more of a straight line season, more, you know, more character development in the stories and not such, well, we got to rush, we got to get it all out kind of done. Because I don't think it did a lot of service for the characters. Uh, four extras, what, still seem to be powering down the extras and, and I kind of miss it. You do have um, <clears throat> The Journey Ends mentioning two of the actors that leave the show. I'm not going to say extra, try not to spoil things. Uh, you have the, the DC fandom, I guess, panel from last year, it really, it, I miss the audience when it comes to, to, to panels and, and Comic-Con. So when actors say something, the audience would react. They're all right. It's kind of like what it would have been if Comic-Con had happened. Uh, but it is missing the audience interaction. I believe, um, one, I haven't checked fandom for this year as of 2021. I don't know if there's going to be a flash panel. I haven't seen it. But if there is, more than likely, I, I'm going to call it right now, that footage will probably be on the Season 8 release. So that's that. You have The Flash. Uh, uh, so that so the, the fandom is called The Flash Watchverse segment. Uh, you have Never Alone Heroes and Allies. This is the same featurette, and I worried about this, Ramblers. I was honest with you. This is the same featurette that dragged over from Batwoman. The exact same one. So they're doing this. Let's take the same featurette and drag it over. I thought, okay, maybe on the Flash set, it'll be something Flash-centric. Nope. Same featurette. So there. They do have the deleted scenes, and they do have the gang grill. But other than that, that's it. I would love a featurette on on, um, Speed Force Nora. I would love the featurette on the Godspeed story angle. So much they could have put in here, and they didn't. And that, I don't know, I just feel like we're, we're losing out. Now, one of the things I want to point out when it came to packaging, and I normally I don't talk about packaging too much because it's usually the same old, same old, <clears throat> but much like Batwoman, 
And man, I'm hoping this isn't a trend. The uh, in Batwoman season two, usually with super these shows, you have you have you know you have a little little insert for the code. Which just like the last few years, Ramblers, this code is only good in the states. Sorry, my fellow Canadians, you cannot use digital code in Canada. Other than this piece of paper, read that paper. <clears throat> that is no good for me here in this country. The, and the, the the usually there's like uh like an extra booklet and they've really trimmed them down but usually it's something that says you know <clears throat> which episodes are on which disc sometimes gives you a little brief synopsis sometimes little images and then uh, you know in past used to give you the air dates of the episodes which I really love and a little booklet and then which special features are on which disc well just like Batwoman instead of a instead of a little booklet pull out thing. All that, well, most of that information, the, the what's on each disc, the episode names, <clears throat> whether they have deleted scenes, and and the special features per disc, that is listed on the inside slipcover <clears throat> of this of 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 the of the of the case. Not not a separate booklet. So you literally have to take off disc three to look at it. Sort of through all the blue. If you want to look at it properly, you got to pull it out. And there's no air date. There's no episode synopsis for each one. There are some little pictures, some mostly non-spoilery from 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 the season. But that's it. And like, Lord Almighty, has the budget been cut? Is this what we're... And I'm hoping this isn't a trend. So far, the next batch, of course, Ramblers, we have Superman and Lois, and we have Legends of Tomorrow coming up in the next month and a bit. So we'll see if this trend continues. But if it does, I mean, like, man, can I just have a dang booklet? So that is it. And it usually comes, as usual, comes in the cardboard sleeve for the Blu-ray case. Uh, although these and this are individually... So that's good. They're not stacked on each other. That'd be the extra insult to injury. Uh, another character, though, that does have a good journey in this season, before I wrap things up, is Joe. Uh, Joe makes some major life changes in this, although he's, I don't know, but Jesse L. Martin, he's starting to age a lot lately. I hope he's good health-wise, but it's like, you all right, buddy? And the character of Cecile Horton, played by Danielle Nicolette, she definitely has some character developments in this. Although, like I said... All of this character development is like Rush. It's like, you only have so many episodes, let's roll it out. But yeah, it's cool to see, and I'm curious to see where it goes in the eighth season. And and what kind of return um, Ralph Dibney has. Now, speaking of Ralph Dibney, was another character that did get a highlight? Well, actually, other ones to the character of Allegra. She gets a bigger role in her relationship with her cousin, her kind of crazy cousin, that gets explored a little more uh, in this round. So that's cute. Uh, but the other character that comes back related with it, Ralph is a character who, uh, who plays Sue uh, Dearborn or, uh, slash soon-to-be Dibney. In this, in previous seasons, she was always a good thief and, and that kind of thing, right? And she had skills. I don't know what it is, and other people are pointing this out, in this season, they turn Sue into a bloody well DC version of Black Widow. I mean it. They give her a black suit, 
all they needed to have given her was the bracelets and fire stuff. All they had to have done was dye her hair red. But she has a black suit. She acts like Black Widow. She dodges through laser beams like Black Widow. It's like, well, how can we do Black Widow but not get sued by Marvel? <laughs> it's like, okay, Sue was clearly not this before, and then suddenly she is. And I think she's become a, she's become a regular uh, come season eight. I think she's going to try. It seems that they hinted that she is sticking around. It's the same thing with uh, Brandon McKnight, Chester P. Runk. I think, yeah, he's definitely been regular. So it's just a weird shift. It's like, and, and if you, it's just it's odd. Like, okay. And, and even her outfit, it looks like Black Widows. It's like, man. <laughs> oh, DC. So that is that. So that is my take of The Flash, the complete seventh season on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Yeah.
show and dvd review plus episode is yellowstone season one courtesy of paramount home entertainment now this is part of the three season box set that was sent to me by paramount of quite a few months ago i'm kind of playing catch up with this and this show originally uh aired this first season back in 2018 you're saying to yourself whoa russ it's a long time since you've been catching up with the show and it's like well you know it's one of those things. And this is a, a show that originally is on the Paramount Network. And this will mark probably the first show, I believe, in the history of this show that I've ever talked about from the Paramount Network. So I heard a lot of hype about it, and I thought, you know what? They're nice to send me those three seasons. I was going to go check it out. The story revolves around a uh, Montana ranch and a ranching family. And and the, the, the Dutton family, if you will, you know, that... Uh, is fighting for control. And this show so much reminds me uh, of the traditions of some other famous families, TV shows from the past. This is very much, you know, in the tradition of the fighting, you know, uh, Ewings from Dallas. And then they carried over to Knott's Landing from the, 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 um, the Carringtons versus the Colby's from dynasty. And from the, uh, you know, the Geo Birdie, family from Falcon's Crest. It's very similar to this kind of thing. You know, in, in Dallas, it was oil. In Falcon Crest, it was a winery. And and it's, it's very much uh, uh, that same kind of theme of power and, and, and people trying to keep it and other people don't want their power. It's very similar to the succession. It's uh, The Dutton family is a very mixed up, messed up family. So if you like that kind of dynamic, this show is really for you. And this show starts off really brutal. I'm going to tell you, the first episode, the first scene, it's like, okay, we're going to set the bar here. And if you don't like this, watch something else. And <laughs> it's very much like, I don't know how they could have gotten away with that scene on a network show in prime time. Maybe it was like 10 o'clock. But it was <laughs> just like, okay. Okay, we're just going to set the bar, bam, right here, and we're going to go off running. Now, this show doesn't have a lot of episodes in the first season. First season, there's only nine episodes in the first season. You think to yourself, wow, that is really short. But that is just the way TV seems to be going these days. Your main lead, your, your patriarch of this said family is John Dunn. And it's played by Kevin Costner. And I got to say, Kevin Costner... He's really good in this role. And the story revolves around the, the, the Yellowstone Ranch in, in Montana. And it's a land struggle. So one side, you have John Dutton, played by Kevin Costner, who, who basically is like, my family's been here for ages. I like this land. I'm not giving up for nobody. Piss off. That's basically his kind of attitude. And then your other forces... You have you have the natives in the area who, who basically tell John, all we want to do is kick you out, every rancher out, bulldoze this over, and just reset the land back to the way it was before. And then the third party that's fighting this are land developers who want to take this land and make it into, you know, the newest, I don't know, condo villa, like Paradise Valley. So they want to develop it that way, you know? So you have all these groups of forces. You have 
you know, the Duttons who are saying, like, we ain't leaving. And you have these two other groups who are saying, we really want a piece of this. Kind of fighting over this property. And that fight really heats up the opening episodes where some cattle kind of wander. Because cattle are stupid. They're cows. They, they wander over to part of the, the, the land that belongs to the natives. And the natives are like, well, you know, your cows wandered over here. You know... So even though they're branded with you, they're on our property, so they're ours now. And Dutton's the kind of guy that's like, you know, you can think that, but that's not going to fly. And this conflict, this little conflict, the start of this episode, sets up so much for the rest of it. Because in the Dutton family, so John, you know, Kevin Costner is the lead. He has, he has kids. He has a daughter named Beth Dutton, played by Kelly Riley, who is really good at this. Another son, Jamie Dutton, played by Wes Bentley. Then you have, um, and you have his, his, his son Case, who who is uh, played by Luke Grimes, and and then you have, so that that's kind of his kids in this, and then you have um, the 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 character of Rip Wheeler, played by Cole Hauser, who is whose relationship with the family gets explained as it goes further on with it, and then you have another supporting character. Of uh, Jimmy, of uh, 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 Jimmy, played by Jefferson White, who is this guy who kind of is given a second chance to kind of make better of himself, and and it gets done in a really painful way. They 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 do this branding on the show that it's I like how it's sh- it's shot in a way that keeps it kind of PG ish, but it's still like, oh god, that would hurt. And and so all these kids have their issues. Jamie is is a character who is, is a lawyer and, and he's kind of like starts off the show as a family lawyer and he really wants to, you know, he really wants to do his part. But as the, the season goes on, there's a rift that gets developed and it's a pretty big one. And, and, and Beth is <laughs> what a character. She sets her bar quickly. And as the season goes on, it's like one, she's not shy at all and and two you you wonder why she's so messed up right because she's and you like and as the season progresses you go like oh so that's why she's so messed up that's why this family is still kind of fractured a little and it, it really explains it i don't want to say what it is but they reveal something like yeah that would mess her up really good uh, when it comes to her personality. And and it really builds the last episode. And boy, it ends in a note. It's like, man, second season. Things are really going to hit hit the, the fan in this. And even though you only get nine episodes, I and, and it's on across four discs. And I, I like, too, this. The discs in this one, actual artwork on the disc. Yeah, it's the same, but it's like, real legit artwork it's not just gray and then the words so yay yay to return to artwork on dvds it's a little thing but it's a big thing not only do you get the episodes each disc but you do get uh on each of the three ones you get it like an inside look on each of them it's like a little featurette kind of going over what happened uh on on each of the um each of the episodes so that's kind of cool a little behind the scenes kind of like this is what happened that kind of thing so that is that. Uh, and and so it's like behind the story. And it's a little featurette that covers for each of the episodes. Beyond that, the, the fourth disc is all featurettes. 
including Inside Yellowstone, Costner on Yellowstone, Cowboy Camp, Character Spots, working the Yellowstone production design, working Yellowstone special effects, and there are some good ones in this. Uh, Yellowstone official theme music. Oh, and I love the theme song. This show has one of the best opening theme songs I have heard in quite some time. The only thing it's missing is as the music is rolling, I would love it to go fully old school and have actors' names and a little headshot of each of the actors as it's going by. I know that's pretty much dead in television, but that would have been ice and cake. The, 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 the instrumental is very much Game of Thrones. It's that kitschy. It's like, Let's do, like, Game of Thrones theme, but we'll slightly make it Western. It's that catching. I challenge you. One of the best parts of the show. It's like I don't skip it each time. And um, then then the, um, the uh, uh, focus on the creator, Brian Tyler. And on, and then you also get uh, a Taylor. Well, well, music composed by Brian Tyler. And you get Taylor Sheridan and Kevin Costner on Yellowstone. Taylor Sheridan is the the... the creative force behind it, and then him. Overall, the show, it's, it's, it can be very brutal. The language in it is kind of rough, and there is a bit of nudity, so it's not not for we watch on young kids at all. And I, I, the character of Case is very interesting, a guy who's just so torn between some things. There's some shocking stuff to this. Like There's one scene where a character gets punched in the head, and I'm like, oh man, that looked painful. Kind of thing, and the little kid they have is who plays Case's son, really good little kid actor. Uh, he really does a, a good job at it, and it must have been fun for him to act with like a guy like Kev, Kevin Costner. Overall, overall, like, a good start to the season, and really looking forward to see how things progress. Because man, there's so much set up in one to roll into two, and where it goes from there. And some characters, woo. Do not survive the first season. So keep that in mind. So that is my take of season one of Yellowstone on DVD, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Home Entertainment.
a 4K Blu-ray movie review, but this episode is The Forever Purge, courtesy of Universal Home Entertainment. This is, of course, the fifth movie in the Purge franchise, and is it's been an interesting franchise because I was going, you know, review this movie. I thought, you know what? I haven't gone through the Purge movies in forever. So I wanted to kind of track these movies and give you a bit of a, a not just a review of the new latest one, but the franchise itself, because it's, it's took some really odd turns in this series of movies. The first one, of course, was The Purge back in 2013 and actually starred Ethan Hawke and Lena. Headley, of course, Lena went on to be on Game of Thrones. And it was very much, it was a cool kind of take on the genre because I've always been interested in horror that does something different, right? Because, God, how many slasher movies have we seen so far? So, I, I, the concept of The Purge was the, 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 the U.S. government in power decided to, to, as their way of controlling, like, rapidly, uh, you know, unemployment and poverty... They decided that once a year, for twelve hours, uh, once a year, they would they would suspend laws, and anybody that wanted to could go out and and commit any kind of crime they want, including murder, for those twelve hours to purge away all the anger that they have in the year. So that was the premise of the movie of, of this universe. That every year they would have this thing where people had to lock themselves down. And if you didn't want to participate, you just afraid they didn't come to your house. And the way it worked, as with most things in society, the rich, of course, were able to protect themselves where the poorer communities had to suffer. And that was this, the Founding Fathers, that was the name of the, the party that got in to, to enact this law. So that's the premise of the movie. And the first movie stars, the, you know, just a rich, you know, whitish couple that, and falls them on Purge Night where they're trying to defend themselves against these, you know, invading people. And I, I liked the first movie in that it was something different. It, it was, you know, uh, a, a new take on horror to see these people trying to survive this onslaught of, of, of people who just wanted to kill them because they could. And there were some nice twists and turns on it, especially near the ending of it. So, and I thought Ethan Hawke and Lena did a, did a great job in their perspective roles. I mean, they really <laughs> seemed scared for their lives in it. And it was a neat premise. So I thought that's kind of cool. Now, after that first movie, and I don't know why it went this direction. The first movie was cool, and, and that was something different. I thought, well, you know, you can make a premise of this, a franchise, and maybe each different movie there's a different family and a different situation of having to deal with Purge Night and how this family survives, you know, kind of concept. And I like that as a concept. But as the movies progressed, it got to me like, okay, it's going beyond what it started. Because after the first Purge movie, there was Purge Anarchy that happened in 2014, like really soon after that. Then there was Purge Election Year in 2016. And then they did a sequel, a prequel, a sequel that's a prequel. And the first Purge in 2018, where they went back to the early days of the Purge. And then this year, the Forever Purge, it like takes what happened in the events of Election Year and says... Oh, well, that, that got undone. 
<laughs> all that work was for nothing. Uh, and, and it's just a weird way of writing this. And and the second one actually had a character in the second that carried over into the third. So we had at least a little bit of a continuance of a bit of a story. But by the fourth, that was gone, that was reset. And by the fifth, no sign of it. And And what I found with these movies, whereas the first movie was you only had really one one African-American guy in it and the rest was all pretty much whitish people. Uh, second, third, and fourth, they, I don't know why, they just really wanted to go, okay, we're going to go the opposite end of this. We're going to go, you know, make these stories in the second and third about all the, you know, all the, the, the minorities that are being punished for this and 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 really got to emphasize the whole, you know, it's like, you know, oppression kind of deal. And it was very much, you know, like African-American and all the, all the Caucasians were like just evil, except for the one dude who was trying to, you know, do the right thing. And and it had a nice story to it. And, and the, the ending is like really tenseful. And, but it was and like, okay, for the second one, I see you want me to do something different. But then they kind of doubled down a bit on the third with that same theme. And then by the fourth, it was like, wow, you are just, instead of trying to do something new, you're just trying to hammer the same point over and over and over again, but just with different people. And, and it started to go like, wow, unless I'm a certain demographic, uh, it's it's uh, this movie's not tar it's, it's not targeted to me, uh, unless it makes me want to feel really bad. Um, and and it just had that the, the same theme over and over for all these movies that want to say, oh, we well, we want to be diverse and 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 we want to you know and, and there's too much of this and there's too much of that. Well, in two, three, and four, you kind of went like. Whoop! You went all all down on one hand and, and you didn't even try to make it like, oh, well, maybe, you know, not everybody that that is in this economic, economic situation is this. Maybe you could have mixed it up a little bit even more there. But no, it's like they really wanted to hammer a message home. And it was so nice in this fifth one that after three movies in a row of being like, oh, we really want to hammer this point home. <laughs> <laughs> they finally gave me something different to watch. And and whereas the previous movies, especially two, three, four, were all set kind of like an urban kind of city environment with some really crazy people. Like what you do because somebody wouldn't give you a candy bar. Really? Um you know, all set in that. What I like about four is our five, they have is for perch. Is he said, okay, we keep doing the same thing. Let's kind of break out from the, the city. Now, there are some city parts in it, but for a lot of this, this takes place out in the in the West. And that the, the big push that I saw in two, three, four, we finally they broke away from it. And let's give a set of new characters instead of this one group. Now we're going to focus on Mexicans and Spanish and Latinos kind of thing. We're just going to switch around. 
And and it showed a bunch of people, even though at the start of this movie, they're like, well, I don't really like you. You don't like me. We're just going to let that go. Saw them working together to survive. And and it was, you know, a nice mix. And, and it's people overcoming things. And I felt, I don't know, the last ones really, they weren't, really saying that it was giving me a completely different message uh, when it came to that. And it's like, I, I like that as a change and it's just kind of funny, you know, I'm talking about Yellowstone and, and this was set in the West. Like we have horses in this one. And, and the concept basically is, is that what if for one year in the purge, when the, when the went off and it was over, people suddenly decided, you know what? We're just going to keep it going. We're just going to make the forever purge. And, and instead of just stopping for the day and, you know, and resuming our lives for an, until another year, we're just going to continue just wiping out all these people that we don't agree with and all these ethnicities and all the things we think, you know, keep America right and keep going. And that, that's kind of the, the concept of this movie. And, and, it, and it worked. Is, is it still as brutal as the ones before? Yes. Oof. There's, there are deaths. There's gunplay in these movies that... I kind of glad I didn't see in a big screen because it, it it gets nasty <laughs> quite quick, and it was nice to see. I mean, now the way they end this fifth movie, I don't know where they're gonna go with this franchise. I really don't because I, I don't I don't know how you're gonna continue with the story unless you do another prequel sequel and you go back again because it ends in a way it's like I don't know. Where <laughs> where you're going to go from here. And, and that's just the way it is. Uh, it, it did look really good, um, you know, watching it on Blu-ray. And I think, you know, that, that really helped. I had to watch the other ones and not Blu-ray. And it would have been interesting in some ways to watch this with an audience just for that. Extras, not as many as per se the, uh, say, F9 that I talked about recently, but still not bad for, you know, what it is, what it is. You get uh, deleted scenes, alternative storyboards. You get collapsing the system behind the Forever Purge and Creeptastic Wardrobe. Because, yeah, wardrobe-wise, man, some of the costumes are crazy. And they have that no audio commentary, uh, director audio commentary. That would have been cool. I would like to have heard that just to say who directors take and how they you know, want to try something new. And I like it. I like the way a franchise survives is you, you keep the same feel, but you try something different. And I think if they keep that and and say for Purge 6 isn't like, oh, look, it's more of this same ethnicity in trouble again. And when we're just repeating the same story and trying to push the same message, like, then I think it will do well. But time will tell and, and we'll see whenever there's Purge 6, whatever the heck they want to call it. So that is my take of the Forever Purge on 4K Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Universal Home Entertainment. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can get in touch with me the number of ways. You can always check me out on Twitter. I'm at Rambling Russ, at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me, I'll tweet you back. If you follow me, I will follow you on Twitter. And thank you for all the likes and retweets that, that, that you give to me. I do so appreciate it. It is very nice. 
when y'all do that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Of course, you can check out all new episodes right here on the Talk Show Network. I'm caller ID 18411, where you can find all brand new episodes right here, as well on Spotify and Google Play, and many other directories across the world wide web. And if you want to take another trip back into time, you can check out my original website at Libsyn. That's HTTP, full colon, backslash, backslash, dot, uh, rambling, Russ, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S, dot Libsyn, that's dot L-I-B-S-Y, and as in November, dot com. That's my original home on the internet where I have over six plus years of good podcasting goodness going from the early days right up in 2013, and then I moved here to TalkShoe. Lots of great convention coverage. Lots of old reviews. You want to catch up some stuff that maybe you haven't heard reviewed before. And, of course, you can check out the older episodes in iTunes. Just go looking for uh, Ramble Russell and iTunes under podcast and other directories across the World Wide Web podcast directories. <laughs> so that is me. Uh, coming up on future episodes of the show, I'm going to continue going through the fun uh, uh, episodes of Yellowstone. So I will have season two of that. In the near future, I can't say exactly when. Also, continue to make my way through uh, the um, the episodes of Superman and Lois, the complete first season. That is coming out on video very soon. I think actually next week. And I hope to have that hot in hand to review for you guys. So more Superman and Lois. And I'll give you my take on that. As we continue the CW superhero catch-up. As well as my digital review of the movie Don't Breathe 2, uh, courtesy of Sony Home Entertainment. And uh, I should be getting a copy soon of a digital copy of Free Guy, courtesy of Walt Disney Home Entertainment and 20th Century Studios. So I'll be having that review of good old Ryan Reynolds. And possibly the Guns of Navarone that just got released on 4K Blu-ray. But I'll just be giving my digital version. But that, that there's an old movie that we'll talk about in the near future. And I still need to get out my reviews of the animated Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge, and Battle of the Realms. That is all coming up in the not-too-distant future, and possibly the reboot of The Equalizer, starring Queen Latifah as well. And a lot of other good titles coming up in the near and distant future. And, of course, near the end of the month, I'll have my Halloween special, which I'm not sure what I'm doing yet, but that's still TBD. And book-wise, I did get a copy recently, and I'll have that review for you in the coming weeks, of a brand new book of Marvel Captain America, the ultimate guy, new edition, courtesy of DK Publishing, with a foreword by Stan Lee. So that's cool on that. That's it coming up in future episodes of the show and many other things that are just not coming to my mind right now. <laughs> so just keep listening. Keep checking my Twitter feed for any updates and I will post there. That is it for me and possibly some really cool stuff coming electronic-wise for the holiday gift guide. That That's still in the works. As always, too, if you want to contribute to the show and you want to, you know... Steer the show in your direction. I I still have up my my Amazon wish list, and you can check out the link for that in the show notes, oh the web address, and I put that on Twitter. If you want to contribute to the show, if you want to decide what I review, I made a wish list on Amazon. Anything that is bought on that wish list and purchased, I will review it on the show. Lots of different items. And if you want to remain anonymous, you can remain anonymous. But if you don't want to remain anonymous, I would absolutely credit you for picking out that item 
lots of things up there. I try to update it when I can and take things out if I actually buy them and put things in you that I see. So anything there is free game. If you want to, you know, control what I review, there's a way to do it right there. Now, keep in mind, some things may be on pre-order, so I'm going to get them right away, but I will get them if you were the order there. And it's totally optional for you. It's it's not mandatory to listen to the show, but if you want to help me out and contribute, there's a way to do it. I don't have Patreon. I don't use Discord and that fancy stuff, but that's a way for you to help out if you so feel inclined. So that is going to wrap things up for me. Oh, one other news. I, I meant to mention at the top of the show, but I'm going to mention it now. The, the Avengers Station, which I did my little run through uh, a few episodes back, they have extended their run in Toronto until the new year. So if you haven't gotten down there, you haven't checked it out, you're in the GTA or you want to come to the Toronto, it is still open to visit until the new year. And if you're a Marvel fan, if you're an Avengers fan, and you've always wanted to see costumes and stuff from the movies, absolutely check it out. It is a heck of a lot of fun to see. And when you do, just as a kick, tell them I sent you. Tell them that that you heard from me, from Ramble Russell, that it's a really good show, and that's why you showed up for it. If you did that and it got back to me, that would be a hoot. So, so do that if you show up uh, on my reference. I would love, I would love that kind of feedback. That would be so cool. All right. That is it for me, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Rambles Russell. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.